Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as-built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as-built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF23. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey, and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Joe Ressa of Built. Joe began his career in general contracting from an early age and gained his initial experience working for his father's business, Country Squire Construction. During this time, he learned the fundamental concepts and methods that make up successful general contracting. Throughout his five decades of experience in the field, Joe, along with Built, has successfully completed thousands of projects while collaborating with highly respected architects and trade partners. His knowledge and experience allows him to judge his project scope from the beginning to the end with pinpoint precision. As a leader in his company and industry, he is constantly looking to innovate and evolve within the fluid progression that general contracting is taking over the years. Now for my conversation with Joe Ressa. Hey, Joe, welcome to the show. Spencer, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's always good to see you. Yeah, likewise. Well, give us the lay of the land. Who are you? What's the company and where are you located? My name is Joe Ress. I'm the principal here at Ressabilt. We're a general contractor specializing in architect model build and design build. We're in Oak Hill, Virginia, but that's really just in the shadow of the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. A good bit of our business is in D.C. and we work in the bedroom communities of Montgomery County, Maryland and Fairfax County, Virginia. Good deal. Right on. And so did you start the company and and when was that? We started the company shortly after the Civil War. No, just kidding. Started the company, actually started in this business in 1979. And when we started, we were a small family business and we operated all in light remodeling, siding, windows, roofing, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. After about a half dozen years, we built up such a client base that, that we were getting a lot of referrals for other kinds of work, things like decking and and things in kitchens and that sort of thing. And we had a good name in the business. And so we started expanding, incorporated Restabilt in 1986. And for the first 10 or 15 years, really focused on architect model builds. And that's where our clients were homeowners, but 
primarily we access these these homeowners and secure our leads by schmoozing with architects and meeting architects and, and eventually working for their clientele. Gotcha. So you guys shifted from kind of like exterior and maybe smaller projects to saying, hey, we're really going to get involved in larger scale projects and have the architects do the design and the planning. And then you guys kind of come in on the, the backside. Yeah, exactly. That's essentially how it happened. And, and it was a good way to get in, into the, the construction business because it was a natural, there was a niche there. Uh, there were architects, many of them good architects, who didn't have much access to the construction end or didn't have the day-to-day experience in the construction end. And they were looking for a contractor who was attentive to what they were doing and would be good partners to them. So it actually ended up being a, a good match. Gotcha. Yeah, that's cool. So when you made that shift, I think you said that was in 80, 86. What was the first one or two years like when you made that shift? Well, there's some beauty in nature. And that is that one of the, one of those great beauties is when you're young, you're exuberant and full of energy. You don't have much brains and you don't have much fear. So it's, it's a great recipe because you're barreling down the, the runway and you're not afraid of all the, the, the obvious things that would would terrify someone who's a little bit more sage and a little bit more experienced. But we just did a lot of things. We just got out there and did it. And that, that's not unique to me. That's a very common experience with most people. But it was a little bit easier in those days. Building codes were attended to a lot less than they are today, not because contractors or builders were contemptuous of those, but the people that populated the industry were sort of old school and they built old school. And so we weren't always engineering, value engineering down to the absolute minimum standards. And so the greater risk would be that you would overbuild rather than underbuild. So it was easy to do it in those days. And then as time progressed and codes changed and and companies started value engineering, we just had to pay a little bit more attention. The other really exciting aspect is in, in my career, and this is just a question of timing, the advent of the of the web. In the old days, we used to have things called suites catalogs. Do you know what that is? I don't know. You're going to have to fill me in there. <laughs> suites catalog was a, a monthly catalog of old of all building products that were were leased by architects on a yearly basis. So when the architect decided to put in a grand door in someone's house. He would go back and he would consult the suite and have the web. He would consult the suites catalog and pick out the doors to put in notes. That's why the, the advent of the internet and the web has been just such an absolute miracle. Access to information and resources just in seconds. That's, that's absolutely been a, a wonderful advent in the course of my career. Yeah, yeah. So when I first asked you the, the question about the first one or two years, you kind of smirked and were smiling as you were talking about, you know, I think youthful exuberance. Was there a story or a situation that came to mind as you were kind of thinking about those first couple of years? Yeah, I don't know if I want to say this where it can be repeated, but what the heck, we were <laughs> one of our first times we were using a torch down roof. We were we were putting it on a funeral home. We were more exuberant than we were practiced. And we put down this torch down roofing and, and we got done with it. And a couple of days later, we had our first storm and the, the funeral director, the mortician called me up and said, Hey, you got to get up here quick. You got to come take a look at this. So I get up there and people are sitting in the chapel inside his funeral home holding umbrellas. 
because they're training on the inside. So oh, just crazy things like that happen. Not being too a- a- attentive to, I probably shouldn't say this, I had a hallucination that we weren't so attentive to things like OSHA and, and straps and, and, and fall protection and that sort of stuff. And we'd be like the Walendas climbing all over houses and things like that. But there were always adventures every day we were on a site. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, my dad has a lot of stories like that. He and his brothers working in, you know, framing up these houses and you'd have people way up high with nothing, nothing on them. They're walking across these skinny beams and no, you know, it's like two, two or three stories down and, you know, but that was, yeah, obviously the evolution of parts of the industry. It was that. And and I don't think that that people were more serious about things then. They just took a little bit more time in doing the work. Today, we're on, on such a frantic pace to always get things done, but your dad would probably appreciate that too. It seems like there was always time to step back and look at the, the work that you were doing. And if it wasn't just quite right, you'd do what you, you needed to do to, to put those finishing touches on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Well, you mentioned that you guys started working with architects. I think you said you, you know, you started schmoozing with them, I guess. Is that like, how long was that your strategy or is it still your strategy, you know, Um, directly reaching out to architects and working with them? it, It actually continues to this day and we're probably about half and half. I would just tell you that personally, I, I, I love working with architects. I like the traditional architect model and, and, the, and the traditional architect model provides for some triangulation. You have these homeowners and though they may be brilliant people in their own rights, doctors, lawyers, scientists, writers, whatever, they're novices when it comes to renovations and additions and things like that. And having an architect on site who is almost inevitably hired by them, he's there or she's there higher time, they form a layer of insulation between the homeowners and the and the contractors. And it, there's a great neutralizing effect there because it keeps balance on. And, and in fact, it's sort of a built-in marriage counselor, if you will. If there's any particular idea that I'm advancing and the and the homeowners are, are unsure about it or, or, or have some reluctance to it, the architect steps forth and, and, and will act as an intermediary and either validate what it is we're saying or translate what we're saying in a more easy fashion. In most recent years, I got in, in, involved with RA, and, and, and certainly some of the people are listening to, to this know RA or RA members. And in fact, most of the, the contractors within RA, even within my individual, are design-build firms. And that designing is not my favorite activity, constructing is. And so I always shy away from that. But under the good guidance of a lot of good people in RA, they, they sort of showed me the wisdom of that design build. And we've arrived at a place here in 2022 where about half of our work is design build and the ha- about half of it is architect led. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I'm curious. I want to go back and talk about some more of the journey, but I, I have a follow-up to that. I feel like sometimes architects, if they see that you also do design, that kind of you know turns them off. Have you been able to navigate kind of working both paths pretty well? Yeah, we actually have. And in fact, if if you were to look at a at a bot or a body of work, it would almost seem schizophrenic. We do some of this architect-led and we do some of this design-build and even the, the, the styles. We just won an AIA award for a, an ultra 
ultra-contemporary design home in suburban Maryland, yet at the same time, some of my favorite projects are, are Tudor revivals, so we do both. But the, but the fact of the matter is, is that in, in a vibrant market like Washington, D.C. market, there are a lot of architects and who have clients who have, what's the phrase, shovel, shovel-ready projects, and we communicate to them through our words and our actions that we're a good resource for them. They're certainly not threatened by the fact that we can do design, build, and do do design, build, because we're, we're kind of in a different realm when we work for them. In a lot of ways, I think it's even an added benefit in that we're conversant in both of those skill sets. When we're working in design, build, we're kind of the leader of the whole show, and we're, and we're you know, taking clients, homeowners down that that path and, and taking them on that journey. Whereas there, it's, there's more of a, a, a teamwork aspect of it when we're dealing with homeowners and with architects. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it seems like you kind of get a little bit of the best of both worlds there, being able to serve both. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. So thinking about your journey in business, obviously there can be and oftentimes there are a lot of ups and downs. What do you think has been one of the most challenging parts of just being an entrepreneur and growing a business, figuring things out along the way? I, I That's a great question. And I, I think the answers would be as varied as the people you would talk to. And, I, and, and because I think it's more of a human experience. So I don't think anything I'm going to say to you right now is going to be remarkable in any sense. It just may strike a chord with the people that are listening. I think that, and I've said this many times, I, I, I think the hardest working people in America are, are small independent business people. I don't think that's confined to, you know, the construction business. I think it's the same whether, you know, a small vet or a bakery shop or, or a guy who's in the marketing business like you. You have to be resourceful. You, you just have to be. You've got no business starting your own business. If you're not resourceful, if you don't have a great degree of perseverance, you have to be willing to learn, which is sort of a paradox because you get into this business because you think you know everything. And then you, as you're moving through the business, you recognize you know nothing and, and, and you have to just take your lessons as you can. If I was talking to a young person getting involved in this business, I would tell them to network, network, network. That will pay you tremendous dividends. I think that the people that know how to build teams 
are going to be very well served. And there's a distinction between building teams and being good with other people. I've met many folks that were were congenial and they're polite and they don't tread on other people, but they're not good team builders. You, you, you've got to have a team working around you or, or be a member of a team to make these things work. Yeah, it's so true. I know it, as you were talking, it just made me think to the, fir- the first couple of years of doing what I'm doing now. And you think you know so much more than you do. And then so quickly you realize, you know, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I, I, I literally remember when I was about 25 or 26, I literally remember having the thought in my brain, I can't wait till I'm 50 because when I'm 50, I will have seen all these plans. I, I'll know everything. And then my job is going to be so easy because I know everything that it'll be a cakewalk. And the absurdity of that is that it's a, each day passes, I realize oh, that's another hunk that I don't know. And there's the, the list of things that I don't know is growing exponentially. But by all good fortune, I'm still learning along the way. So I'm, I'm reducing at least the, the list of things that I don't know. <laughs> or that yeah, I don't sure. know. No, I like it. Well, what do you think has been one of the most rewarding parts of your journey as a business owner? I would tell you that to me, the, the, the most rewarding thing is the people that I've gotten to meet because we're not, because the, the, the typical jobs that we do are typically measured in months. When we first started, we would build a deck, we'd be in and out in a week, the kitchen would be in and out in a couple of weeks. Some of these large wholesale renovations that we do were there for months and months and months and even portions of years. And I get to meet and work elbow to elbow and get to be intimate in a lot of ways, emotionally, because it's it's an emotional experience with a lot of people that I I, I wouldn't have otherwise met and that I, I, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to cross paths with. And I've met some absolutely beautiful people and some high and mighty, but some that were just, you know, the salt of the earth people and our, our paths just would not have crossed had we not been doing this work. I think that's the thing that, that's, that's the most impressive in my mind about what we've gained from this. The other thing that I think about is that, you know, because of DC, there's a lot of lawyers in this town. And I've gone, gosh, if I was a lawyer, what would be the what would be the tangible? What would be the tangible manifestation of the work that I do for people? And it'd be a bunch of files that would be sitting over on a desk somewhere. And the tangible manifestation of the work that we do for people are their nests. Their nests that they love and they grow their families in, and they grow old. In, and that's just kind of a neat thing to me. That's super cool. Well, speaking of of people, there's always like a wacky client story or a wild project or, or something, anything coming to mind, obviously you can leave out personal details and, and that sort of thing. Any good ones in there? We've, we've, we've had wacky clients, that's for sure. I'm trying, just, just a lot of unusual characters. I, I can't, we, we've just had some remarkable folks, people that, and it goes along the same lines as, as what I was saying, that I would meet people that I wouldn't have otherwise met some of these people we met, we wouldn't have otherwise met because they might have been in the loony bin. Um, <laughs> we just happened to encounter them because they were out. But I think everybody who's a contractor that listens to this has some of those those, those wacky folks. I guess the, the other remarkable thing, not so much wacky, but it, it's particularly gratifying when we get to go back and and do work for some people a second or a third time. Because again, these aren't, you know, roof that somebody might buy three times over the course of 60 years, but these are significant projects that we do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you have any projects that come to mind that were just 
particularly unique or memorable to you that you want to share? Yeah, we did a, a project. This was sort of unique, and it was a it was a lifelong project that they had planned. And as soon as we, they had actually planned it. They had thought about it for for decades. They planned it for five years, and this guy was 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 sort of a hot shot. And within a very short time of of completing this project, he was transferred. So they 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 left the house. So that was kind of a bittersweet. We just finished a, a project right out in the Dulles Airport, which is relatively close to us, and that was a very gratifying job. It was a young woman, young woman. She's younger than me. And she had two daughters, special needs daughters, and they were twins and they were 18 years old. And we built, and they had a farmette that they lived on and we built mm. a cottage for, for the two daughters. That's and cool. It was her idea that, that they would all be able to live together for all the days of their lives. And that was particularly gratifying. To yeah. That's cool. Well, I know you've, you've gone through probably a number of pivots through your, your journey, but I'm curious, like what are the next three to five years look like? Where are you guys trying to go? Good question. Easy answer. I, as I'm, I'm, I'm getting in my advanced stage, I talked about being less of an autocrat in this business because I started and we are a relatively small firm and I've, I've run, run everything here, most things by myself for, for a good many years. I'm starting to increase the staff that we have and we're starting to develop our internal structure and fine tune so that this business can run without me. And that's kind of where we're going. We're, we're going to the place where I don't touch anything. I, I, it's funny that I like, I think a lot of proprietors put their name on the window. Jones's, you know, construction, it's Ressabilt. That's my name. And, and as my time here is, is, getting in and I'm certainly in the second half, but I, I've got to make sure everybody's empowered to do everything here and that this business will thing and continue to grow after me. That's where we're in a in a growth plan with the help of, of of some good folks that are giving us some good guidance. And that's that's what's on our actually that's what's on our plan for the next 12 years is to do the handoff. Right on. Yeah, that's cool. Well, let's let's look more globally at the industry at large. What do you think are one or two big challenges that we need to be tackling and thinking about over the next couple of years? You know, I think, in my opinion, I think one of the things is cost, and that that that, that a lot of our clientele are in that demographic, or in my demographic, they're people that are fifty to, to seventy, and they're at the second half of their careers or at the height of their earning capacity. And so they can afford the kinds of things that they choose. At the other end of the spectrum are a lot of younger people that want to take advantage of improving their homes and that sort of thing. And the dollars have become so unreal, maybe not in, in small markets, but in, in all, all the major markets. The housing is so expensive but it's really a challenge. Information technology and the speed at which things are, are moving, I think that's another thing that, that people are grappling with. There's this interesting paradox that I see, and, and that's that people today are accustomed to buying things on Amazon. That trains people that when they need something, all they got to do is get on the computer and it appears in three days. And intrinsically, the kind of work that we do takes months and months and months. And one of the things that I think that people in our position or other contractors have to be able to do is succinctly communicate 
that to people. They've been trained that they're going to get a pizza in 30 minutes, that they're going to get a, a new TV in, in 15. But if they're going to do a full-scale home renovation, this is something they're going to plan for months. They're going to execute for months. And it's just getting their mindset about that. That's a fascinating thing to think about just at a large scale too, is this like instant you know mentality. And I think it even flows over into like working hard for a long time and achieving a result or maybe not, you know, just in general, like those kind of traits that I feel like maybe as we've moved through generations haven't been passed down all the way. So yeah, I think there's a lot of education to be done there for sure. Joe, wrap us up. One final question for you. If you had to leave other remodelers listening with one piece of advice or final words of wisdom, what do you want to leave us with? I love Winston Churchill. Don't give up. Just keep at it. If you're enjoying what you're doing, keep at it. If you're close to your dream, keep at it. Don't give up. If you're having a hard time with a particular challenge, don't give up. Never quit. Love it. Yeah. Great way to finish it off. And uh, Joe, I appreciate you sharing your story with us today. Thanks, Spencer. I always always enjoy talking. I hope we can do it again soon. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.